0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football CU Podcast. This is Andrew with you. This week, we're going to go over all of Week 9. I can't believe it's already Week 9. But we're going to discuss all of the Week 9 games this week, talk about the main fantasy storylines I'm looking at, as well as discuss that Titans and Steelers game, um, what happened there, what we need to know about fantasy-wise. But first, as we always do, we have to start with the word of God. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. A short verse, but a very powerful one. It says, we live by faith, not by sight. There are a lot of things in this life where if we use our eyes to see, we're not going to do well. We're going to struggle. We're going to see the problem. We're going to see the obstacle. And we're not going to think we can get past it and move forward. But if we live by faith, then anything is possible. We can overcome that obstacle because we're relying on God's strength, not on ours. All right. So let's get into this. Let's get into the Titans and the Steelers. This was kind of what you would expect from these two teams. It was kind of a dogfight. Lots of defense played. Offense moved the ball but didn't really score a lot of points. Um, for the Titans, Will Levis looked pretty good. He, he He's probably going to be their, their guy going forward the rest of the year, and he is their future. He didn't move the ball really well in this game. Last game, he yeah, had those four crazy touchdowns. But he moved the ball enough. He had the offense get down the field, and they looked okay. He, he's going to be able to keep these um, fantasy players relevant. He's going to be able to keep Hopkins in the game, fantasy wise. And Derrick Henry's going to get a lot of volume like he always does. And even Tasha Spears is going to get a little work. He had four catches this game. He didn't do anything with it, but hey, if you're telling me that Tajay Spears is going to get four or five catches every game, I'll sign up for that anytime. And then for the Steelers, it happened to everybody. It happened. Deontay Johnson, he scored a touchdown. That hasn't happened since 2021. Almost two full years have gone by without him scoring a touchdown. But he did it. He finally did it. And it was partly because George Pickens dropped well, he didn't necessarily drop a touchdown, but he did not get his second feet in, second foot in, and it it was just bad. He he looked awful on the sidelines. Um and that was an easy pitch and catch. He should have had that touchdown, but he didn't. Deontay Johnson did, and we can all rejoice the curse is broken, so to speak. Now let's get into The Sunday slate. Let's start with the Germany game, Dolphins and Chiefs. This could be the game of the week. It's either this one or a Sunday afternoon game. We'll get into that one later. But for the Dolphins, I think this could be the last game that Raheem Mostert is the guy in the backfield for the Dolphins. Jeff Wilson Jr. starting to get ramped up a little bit. He'll sneak into his touches a little, but I'm not too worried about him. I'm worried about well, for the Ryan Mostert managers. I'm worried about Devon Achan. He's coming back. I believe this is the last game he's required to miss off of IR. It doesn't necessarily mean he's coming back next week, but he's coming. He's coming soon, and Mostert's not going to be the guy anymore. I have him in a lot of leagues, and I'm thinking after this game, Hopefully he plays well. I think he will because the Chiefs are going to make sure they do their best to keep Tyreek Hill in check. So Mostert will be one of the next man up, him and Waddle. So I think he's going to get a lot of run, and I think the Dolphins move the ball, and he he might even get in the end zone. So after this week, I'm looking at moving him for something um, that I can use every week because I don't know if Mostert's going to be a must start once A-Chan really gets ramped back up. And for the Chiefs, which one of these receivers is truly going to start separating themselves? I've been I've been preaching the Rishi Rice train this whole time, and I still believe in him, but he really hasn't taken off on this wide receiver room. Last week, I think that was just an aberration. Mahomes was sick. They didn't look good at all. They didn't get in the end zone. But, man... This has to be the week where Rasheed Rice does something. The Dolphins have their secondary back. Jalen Ramsey's back, so I don't I don't know. Mahomes is gonna have to go to Kelsey and that's it. But I'm I'm still a believer in Rasheed Rice. I still think he should be on all teams. He shouldn't he should be rostered in every league. The next up we have the Vikings at the Falcons. This is an interesting game. The battle of backup quarterbacks. At least one of them. Um, for the Vikings, I think that they're going to be better off than people are anticipating. They're five-point underdogs in some areas um, in some um, sports books in this game, which I think is crazy. Um, they're a better team overall than the Falcons, and Jaron Hall is going to be fine. Kirk Cousins is really, really good. It's It's terrible what happened to him. My prayers are going out to him and his family on this recovery journey. But Jaron Hall is going to be fine. He is a solid quarterback. He's their backup for a reason. I know their main backups on IR, and they have another quarterback on the practice squad, and they traded for Josh Dobbs, but they believe in Jaron Hall, and I think he's going to be fine. I think Jordan Addison's going to get his touches. TJ Hawkinson could be a sneaky play, especially in DFS. I put him in my DFS lineup. Because what is a young quarterback's favorite go-to? What's their security blanket? A big athletic tight end. So TJ Hawkinson could get a lot of touches. And they'll probably rely on the run game a little bit more than normal as well. And for the Falcons, Taylor Heineke is now their quarterback because Desmond Ritter just wasn't it. We've been talking about this for a long time, and it's finally happening. The thing is, Drake London's also out in this game. So, if you subtract everything, do the math, is this a Kyle Pitts game? Because the Falcons don't really have any other wide receivers. They have Van Jefferson. Okay, cool. They have Matt Collins, but he has been kind of phased out. They have Quiro Patterson, but he's not really used as a wide receiver. He's at a running back. So, I mean... Who else do they have other than their tight ends? So I put Kyle Pitts. I, I didn't like it. It was difficult, but I put him in my DFS lineup as well because what do the Vikings do a lot? They blitz. And what are they going to want to do to a backup quarterback insert into the game? And this is his first start this year. They're going to want to bring the heat. They're they're going to want to get after him. So what's Taylor Heineken going to do? He's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly, get to his main his um, his main route, his hot route, and that could be Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, could, Kyle Pitts could be involved early and often in this game. It's going to be him. It's going to be um, B. John Robinson, and to an extent, it's going to also be um, John New Smith, and that's about their whole offense this game. And the Vikings' defense are fine. They don't scare you really badly. They just get after the quarterback and get a lot of pressure. So they'll probably have a turnover or two. Then next, we have another possible backup quarterback game, the Cardinals and the Browns. For the Cardinals, it sounds like they're going with Clayton Toon, but there's been a little rumblings that Kyler Murray's progressing um, faster than they kind of anticipated. So he might play, but even if he does, I'm not too excited for it yet. I need him to get a game or two under his belt before I start him, but you need to pick him up. He's, if he's available, which he is in a lot of leagues, you need to pick him up. The quarterback position's been kind of hit and miss after, like, the top six-ish. You're in a 10-team league, and you have a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen or something. Somebody else doesn't, and they would love to have someone like Kyler Murray as their starting quarterback. He's a he'd be really good trade bait. So if he's out there, pick him up. You'll thank me later. And then for the Browns, it kind of sounds like Deshaun Watson might give it a go. It sounds like he's going to start. But how's he going to look? He's looked just awful other than one game this year against the Titans. And that affects their um, playmakers. Mari Cooper has been okay this year, but not great. They traded Peoples-Jones to the Lions, so it'll be him. It'll be Cooper and Moore and then Njoku. But I don't don't know if you can really trust all those guys. Other than Cooper, you kind of have to start him. But I don't know. Deshaun Watson has not played well. And with the running backs, Jerome Ford was supposedly going to be the guy. But Kareem Hunt's been getting a lot of run. He's been getting the ball a lot, so... I don't know. It's more of a slit than I like um, in regards to starting either one of them. The matchup doesn't scare you at all. So you can. They're both solid RB2 flex plays. So, I mean, if you have one of them in your lineup, you should feel okay. But it was supposed to be the Jerome Ford show, and it really hasn't been the case. Next up, we have the Rams at the Packers. This is an interesting game. Because for the Rams, I don't know. I don't. Thank Matthew Stafford's going to play. They're giving him all the way up until game time to decide if he can go or not. If I was going to guess, I would guess it's their backup. It's Rippon, Brett Rippon. But uh, even if it is Stafford or if it's Brett Rippon, you don't like it. Because Stafford has not looked great the past couple weeks. And if he can't really grip the ball well with that thumb injury, then what are we doing? That's not going to look good. And with their backup, Brett Rippon, that's not going to look good either. In regards to their playmakers, you have to start Cup. You have to start Nakua. They are too talented. They are too good. The system is too good. Their coach is too good of an offensive mind. They will get them the ball much better than it did last week. Packers' defense doesn't really scare you. J.R. Alexander hasn't been that corner that he's used to being. And after him, they have nobody. They traded their number two corner to the Bills. So, I mean, you're not happy about their quarterback situation, but you should still feel okay that Cup and Naku are still top 20-ish plays. They'll still get enough volume to make them still fantasy-relevant. And for the Packers, Jordan Love looks bad. His receivers had a lot of drops last week against the Vikings, but he just is... No, I don't think he's the guy. I mean, it's still early-ish, I guess, but it it doesn't look good. Christian Watson's not getting any catches, any enough good targets. Romeo Dobbs has fallen off. Jalen Reed's okay, but Jordan Love just can't give him the ball enough. And then um, for their running backs, it sounds like Aaron Jones might actually be back back. Coach says that he's ready to unleash him, so to speak, so... We've been waiting since week one. Week one, Aaron Jones was the RB1 overall at the end of the week. And since that injury that happened in week one, you can't play him. He's gotten maybe 10 touches at most each game that he's actually played. Hopefully, this is the game where they go back to Aaron Jones. As Matthew Matthew Barry has always said, free Aaron Jones. Next up, we have the Commanders and the Patriots. For the Commanders, Curtis Samuel's going to be out, so I think you should feel very confident in starting both Terry McLaurin, and then maybe not as confident, but still confident enough in starting Jahan Dotson, because the Patriots' defense isn't what it used to be. They're not that Bill Belichick run defense that you can't score on. Their um, pass rushers are injured. Their corners are injured. They're they're just not a healthy unit. They're not a strong unit right now. So you can move the ball on them. So you should feel you should feel solid in starting McLaurin and Dotson. And I even took a little bit, bit of a dart throw and I put Sam Howell in my DFS lineup. I I liked what he's been doing lately. He put up a lot of yards, a lot of points against the Eagles. And I went ahead and did it. He's not going to do as well against the Eagles as he is that he's going to do this week because they won't need to throw the ball as much because the Patriots' offense isn't the Eagles' offense, obviously. But I still put him in there. He was a lower price. I feel okay about it. And for the Patriots, this could be a sneaky Mac Jones game. I almost put him in my lineup, my DFS lineup, because the Commander's defense has been one of the weakest secondaries in the league this year. And now they traded their best two defensive players, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They traded them at the deadline. So who do they have that's going to rush the passer? Really nobody. They have stout defensive tackles. So I still feel like the run game for the Patriots is going to be a little limited with Stevenson and Zeke. But the pass game, it might be able to do a little bit. So I put the wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne's out. So I put Douglas in my DFS lineup as well. You should pick him up. Demario Douglas, he needs to be in every league. People need to pick him up. He's available in too many leagues. He's going to be their guy going forward. Juju's going to get more run, yes, and when Devontae Parker's off of IR, he'll get more runs as well, but he's not off IR yet. It's the Douglas show. Pick him up. Next game we have is the Bears at the Saints. For the Bears, it's going to be Taysan Badgent again. Um, He's looked okay. Not bad, but not good. So if you have D.J. Moore, you should feel okay starting him. The Saints have a pretty good defense, but you still got to start D.J. Moore. Um, And then for their running backs, Rashawn Johnson is their guy for now, but he hasn't really looked Great. So he's more like a flex play. And I would keep Foreman on my bench just in case Johnson gets dinged up again. Khalil Herbert's still in IR. Not sure how much long he has left to go. But he's still in IR for now. So it's going to be Roshan Johnson with Deontay Foreman spelling him. And Deontay Foreman should still be on benches just in case. Because Johnson's been hurt this year, mainly with that concussion. And then for the Saints... The main storyline I'm looking at here is Chris Olave. I'm kind of feeling like this is a this is a Chris Olave game. I think this could be where he finally, finally gets on track and actually has a good fantasy output. He's been fine, but not where we drafted him in the second or third ish round. He's he's not really turned out those kind of numbers. I think this could be the game. He actually gets on track. He's had a few drops where if he catches the ball, he runs for a touchdown, and it's just not been like him. And I know he's been working hard on that. And Derek Carr is getting healthier. His arm looks better. So I think this could be a Chris Olave game. Avin Kamara is still going to get his. Obviously, he's crazy good out of the backfield as far as dump-offs are concerned. And Michael Thomas is all right. And you should keep an eye on... um, Rashid Shahid, he's getting maybe three or four targets a game, but he's turning that into over 100 yards and a touchdown commonly, so keep an eye on him. But overall, I think this is a Chris Olave game. And then next up, we have the Seahawks and the Ravens. This is a really good game here. Two really good teams facing off um, first in their division, which never would have thought that, but the Seahawks are first in the division. 49ers on a three-game losing streak. For the Seahawks, so it sounds like they're kind of splitting touches a little bit in their backfield more and more and more. And their coach loves talking about Charbonnet. He's been just giving him so much praise, giving him so much love in their um, press conferences. Pete Carroll likes to do that, though. So I don't know how much you really need to look into that. But still, Charbonnet is really talented. And if Ken Walker III and Charbonnet is going to split touches, 60-40, something like that, then Charbonnet is a decent flex option because he's good at the backfield in the passing game. He's just really talented. Second-round pick this year, and the Seahawks just really love him. So um, he should be on benches at least. Maybe, depending on the size of your league, you could put him as a flex option. That's kind of a desperation throw. There are four teams on a bye, so you might have to. Um, But I wouldn't feel super comfortable until you can see that it's becoming more of a 50-50 split. Right now, I think it's more 60-40 in that range. Or, this has happened, but or if Ken Walker does get a little dinged up and misses time. If he misses time, Charbonnet is a top 15 play, and he will need to be in your lineups. So if he's free on waivers, you have the space, I suggest picking him up. And for the Ravens, their offense has been up and down. Sometimes the more Jackson is flinging the ball around, he's running on the um, those little RPOs, getting ton of yards, getting in the end zone with his legs then sometimes I just rely on the running backs. Like the past couple weeks, it's been Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards went from three touchdowns two weeks ago. Last week, he got in the end zone again. Mm-hmm. So whenever they get in close, like within the five-yard line of the end zone, it's Gus Edwards getting the ball. If he's available, he might be a good stash or RB2, honestly, because he's not really involved in the passing game. But again, whenever they're in the red zone, they give it to him to score. It's not Lamar Jackson that much. They're not really passing the ball down there. They're running it. Um, But this week I do feel like they're going to be more balanced other than leaning on the run game because this is a pretty decent defense in the Seahawks and they just picked up Leonard Williams from the Giants. So their D-line is going to be even better. Um, So the Ravens might not be able to run the ball all that well against him. The Seahawks do have a decent secondary as well, but the um, Ravens do have a lot of different options. They don't really have a number one outside of Andrews. So who's the Seahawks main guy going to cover? You don't really know. He'll kind of move around probably. Um, so I'd feel okay still with the Ravens passing game. Lamar Jackson's been on this roller coaster where has a huge game, then a low game. Last week he had a low game. So this week might be his week where he gets back on track. I think he only scored 11 fantasy points last week. I would know because I lost in the league by less than two points with Jackson as my starting quarterback. I was a little salty with him. only scoring 11. But I think this will be a week where he gets back on track. And next up, we have the Buccaneers and the Texans. For the Buccaneers, um, their fantasy storyline and fantasy output is fairly straightforward. There's three guys and basically three guys only. You're starting Mike Evans. He's fantastic. He's actually been a lot better than anticipated this year. If you drafted him, you gotta steal. Because you probably drafted him a little late. Probably around five or six round. And he's been like a top ten play this year almost. So you gotta steal if you drafted Mike Evans. And Chris Godwin got in the end zone last week. Again, that same league where I lost by two or less than two. Chris Godwin, one of the first times he got in the end zone. I played against him, so, you know, still a little salty about that. Um, But Chris Godwin, you're playing him if he's on your team. And then Rashad White. He hasn't done a lot with his touches as far as output, but he's getting the volume. He's involved in the passing game. He got a lot of catches last week, so you should still feel fine about him. And that's about it on the Buccaneers. Those are really the only three guys unless something changes, which I don't anticipate that anytime soon. And for the Texans, the main thing here is their running game. Damian Pierce is out. So Devin Singletary will be the guy, but I would still provide a little caution. I don't think he's going to be, quote unquote, the guy. He'll be the starter. He'll get the most touches, but I do believe they're still going to be closer to a running back by committee. I think their other backfield um, mates, if you, so to speak, they're Other running backs are going to get a lot of run. Mike Boone got some touches last week. um, And there was another guy that actually scored. I don't even remember his name, but he's on their roster. And he is going to get some run as well. I think it's going to be two or three guys mixed in with Devin Singletary being the main guy. So Singletary is a flex play. You can start him, but I would just be cautious thinking, oh, I got to start him because he's like an RB2 this week. I don't know about that. I'd say he's more of a flex option. Buccaneers have a decent run defense. So that's something to watch out for. Next up, we have the Colts and the Panthers. For the Colts, main thing I'm looking at here is, I think I've been looking at this every week, is their running back room. Last week, we thought that it was going to be the Jonathan Taylor show, but it wasn't. It was still a split. Now, I think that has to do with Taylor got a little dinged up. He got a little injured toward the end of that first half, and they wanted to make sure they didn't push him too much. I don't remember what the injury was, but he got hit hard, and he was kind of hobbling a little bit when he got up. So I think they were being cautious, but Zach Moss is so good. He is so talented. They're going to continue to use him. I think this might be going forward. This might be like a 60 40 type of split. And they're going to rely on their running game a lot. Gardner Minshew is fine. He's a gunslinger, but he's kind of turnover prone. So they are not going to rely on him on their offense. They're going to rely on their running backs because they have two really good ones. So if you have Zach Moss, you need to keep him on your roster. He's a flex play, basically, every week going forward. Taylor's more of an RB2 going forward because of the split they have. So you can play both of them, and the Panthers' defense doesn't really scare you. So put them in your lineup, and you should feel fine. And then for the Panthers, the storyline there is kind of similar. Their running back room, Chupa Hubbard, is the guy now, which is crazy to think because they paid Miles Sanders so much money in the offseason. He just hasn't really been the guy that they thought hasn't really done much with touches that he's been given chuba hubbard on the other hand has been fine he's been decent with the touches he got so chuba hubbard you can put him in your flex and feel okay about it he's not an rb1 and proud of an rb2 he's not that talented of a player especially on this offense but he's a decent flex option they use him out at the backfield they target him he'll get some catches he'll get lots of run up the middle and on the edges um and when they get in close, it's going to be either him or Sanders. So you should feel okay as a flex play, but not really much else. But if you have Miles Sanders, you should be cautious. I wouldn't drop him just yet, but I'm close. I'm close. I have to see it one or two more weeks to see if he truly is done on being a majority touch guy. If he's done being a running back out of that backfield he's only spelling Chuba Hubbard then you're dropping him but I'm not there yet I don't know I need to see it one or two more weeks then the next game we have is the Giants and the Raiders for the Giants Darren Waller is already ruled out Um, Daniel Jones probably is going to play but I don't know if you're happy about that or not so I don't know what this offense is going to be it's going to be Saquon Barkley and that's it. That pause there was on purpose. I don't think there's really anybody else you can trust. Um, they have a bunch of just guys in their wide receiver room. Wondell Robinson is fine. Um, the rookie they drafted is fine. They still have a couple of vets in there, but I'm not even coming up with their names right now. And usually I'm good with names, and I just, that's because they're. They haven't really done anything this year. Offense as a whole, they haven't done anything. So uh, I don't know how this is going to look. The Raiders' defense isn't a great defense. It doesn't scare you. So if you have a Giants pass catcher, you know, more power to you. Um, Lord willing, they might actually get some catches this game. But I, I don't feel confident in any of their pass catchers. None of them. I mean, maybe you should roster Wanda Robinson, another rookie receiver, or um, I I wouldn't trust any of them other than Saquon Barkley. He's the only giant I'd be starting this week. And for the Raiders, they just got done firing everybody. Everybody's gone. Their coach, offensive coordinator, GM, they're all gone. And now... Their um, ex-defensive giant, the defensive player that played for the Giants, Antonio Pierce, he is their coach now. And I think he's going to get back to basics. I think he's going to want to run the ball because that's what defensive coaches or players really want to do. They just want to run the ball. So I think he's going to run the ball, focus on getting the ball to his best players, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Jacoby Myers, probably in that order. So I would feel pretty good if you have Devontae Adams. I've even tried to trade for him. I had no luck. No one wanted to um, send me any counter offers or accept my trades. But I think Devontae Adams is going to start to get back on track and Josh Jacobs as well. I picked him up in DFS because I think they're going to focus on those two guys, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Myers will be at number three. And even though they have their rookie, Aiden O'Connell, that doesn't bother me much because Jimmy G was awful anyway and they benched him. Um, So if you have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, I think you should start feeling a little bit better, honestly, that they fired everyone and they're getting back to basics. You can fire those guys up. You can get Adams and Jacobs in your lineup and feel good about it right now. Next, this, to me, is the game of the week cowboys at the eagles i think the eagles are the only seven and one team right now which is crazy um, for the cowboys um, their passing game is starting to get ramped up they're looking really good cd lamb is all over the place getting a ton of catches so many yards and touchdowns um, jake ferguson is starting to get a little run brandon cooks is starting to kind of move around and get some looks as well Their passing game looks great, but their running game does not. And I don't know what's going on with that. Tony Pollard just is not getting any holes. He's not getting any help from his offensive line. And his efficiency is very, very poor because of that. Um, And the Eagles' run defense is really good, so you're concerned with that as well. You have to start Pollard. He's too good. He is—he's too high on the volume spectrum to not start, but I'd be cautious and be a little nervous this week. The um, Cowboys' receivers—you feel very confident. Eagles' secondary has been torched this year, but their their um, defensive line is stout. Nobody's really run on them. So if you have Pollard, be a little cautious. And honestly, this is a little little um, sneaky play here after this week. Especially if Pollard has another kind of low-scoring, low fantasy output week, I would try to trade for him. I would send some offers out because he hasn't been great this year. And after this week, if he doesn't look good again, the manager that has him might be trying to just you know cut cut bait, just you know get rid of him for maybe seventy cents on the dollar. In the rest of their schedule, especially the next three or four weeks. It lightens up a lot after this week tony pollard could be a legit top five finishing running back at the position every single week so after this week send out those offers try to get him on your team and for the eagles Devonte smith finally last week finally did something he got in the end zone he looked good i think that continues AJ Brown is gonna be the focal point of the Cowboys defense, they have a great defense. Um, so Devontae Smith should get the secondary kind of defensive looks from the Cowboys. He should get open. I was very close to picking him up in DFS, very close to starting him in a lot of lineups, but didn't quite go there, because I'm still not confident in that he's gonna do it two weeks in a row. He hasn't really done that this year. Um, But I was close. I do feel like he is gonna be their best option as far as receivers go because A.J. Brown's gonna get so much coverage going. So he'll still get his. But I think this is gonna be the week where he doesn't get 125 yards and a touchdown like he's done for like five or six straight weeks. It's been insane. The next up, we have another good game. The Bills at the Bengals. For the Bills, Leonard Fournette has arrived. I don't know how much he'll be used week one, um, just signing at, off the street basically. I don't think he'll be used a lot. He'll be in there. They're going to take a look at him, um, but I don't think he's going to be the guy yet. But Going forward, James Cook managers I don't believe should be super worried. I think what they're doing, I could be wrong, but I think what they're doing with Fournette is he's basically going to be what they wanted Damien Harris or what they wanted um, Latavius Murray to be kind of um, spelling James Cook and their goal backs, that don't have to run Josh Allen as much. So I think what you're getting from James Cook already is what you're going to get going forward. He's going to be between the 20s. He's going to be involved in the passing game, but not really in the red zone. Um, so if you've already gotten by with that, I think you shouldn't be more worried about Fournette than you are. Only thing is, Fournette is a capable pass catcher. He's very good in that game. So I don't know if they'll utilize that or not. We'll have to see it first. But as far as week one is concerned, coming off the streets, I don't anticipate him getting a lot of run to look at him. They'll put him in. But I think he'll be a little bit limited um, out the gate. And also, Dalton Kincaid. He is the thing. They're running 11 personnel. We talked about it last week. He's a thing. If he's still available somehow, I don't think he is. But if he is... Pick him up, and if he's in your on your roster, start him. He's he's very talented. He is the guy. He's gonna. He I think he ran like 85% of routes last week or something like that, some high number. So he's running all the routes basically. And Josh Allen, he's flinging it around all over the place. Stephon Diggs gets doubled, and gets shadowed. So who's up next? Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid. So pick him up. Next for the Bengals. What I'm looking at here is I believe Joe Burrow is back. He looked great last week and, well, actually they might have had a bye last week. I'm not sure. No, they had a bye before that. So, yeah, he looked great last week. And I think T. Higgins is going to be a thing going forward. He's been very, very disappointing so far this year. But I think that had a lot to do with the injury to Joe Burrow. So I think that he's finally going to get going of course, Jamar Chase, he's their best receiver. He's going to get all the deep targets, red zone targets. He's he's awesome. Um, But he gets the main coverage from the secondary, and the Bills just picked up that corner from the Packers. So he might be shadowing in a way or making sure that he runs with um, Jamar Chase. So that means T. Higgins is going to get the Bills next up corner in that corner is not very good because Javius White is still injured. So this could be a T. Higgins game. I would start him and I would start him comfortably this week. And then the last game we have, the Monday night game, Chargers and the Jets. For the Chargers, Josh Palmer's been a little dinged up. Um, I don't know if he's going to play this week. He might give it a go. They're not sure yet. But if he doesn't, then it could be the Quentin Johnston show. Keenan Allen's going to get his, but he'll have Sauce Gardner on him most of the game, Um, unless he's in the slot. I don't think Sauce um, plays in the slot. But um, Keenan Allen will get the Sauce Gardner treatment, and he's one of the best young corners, but it's still Keenan Allen. He's still going to do fine. Um, But the Jets' secondary overall, they've not allowed two wide receivers to have decent games. It's always been one or zero. So if you think about it, Keenan Allen's probably going to do fine. So you're not comfortable with Palmer or Johnston, but if Palmer misses and you need a dart throw, if you're in a deep league and you need something, something like a flex or something like that, if Palmer doesn't play, Quentin Johnston, you should feel okay. Not excited, but okay about it because he's a huge target. He's very talented, and he could be the wide receiver too on an offense that likes to throw the ball. So, I mean... Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe put him in your lineup if you're feeling lucky. And then for the Jets, um, Zach Wilson's starting to look a little better, and the Chargers secondary is bad. So if you have Garrett Wilson, start him comfortably this week. He's been kind of up and down, but what's been consistent is the volume he's been getting. He's been getting so many targets. They haven't really done a whole lot with him, so to speak but he is still getting those targets he's still getting looks he's still getting a good amount of catches it's just that you know they just haven't done a lot with him because Zach Willis has not been great but Charger secondary is weak you should feel okay about starting him this week all right now enough about fake football let's get real so the past couple weeks Um, Two weeks ago, I um, talked about prayer. Last week, I talked about worship. This week, let's talk about the power of Scripture and reading Scripture, how important it is in everyday life. I have a few verses to go over first. Um, um, The first verse is Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is living. It's active. It's not just words on a page. For example, John one one. I love this verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was, was God. So scripture is God. It's us um, basically sitting down having a conversation with the God of all mankind, with the Lord over all. I don't know about you, but I would love to have as many conversations with a ruler of the universe as I can because of how much he loves me. Not that he's the ruler with, like, you know, a whip, saying get in line. You have to follow these rules. Super strict. No. He's a ruler. He's a God that loves us, that just wants to be in fellowship and in relationship with us. Um, Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I remember my um, pastor I had back when I was in Oklahoma. I don't live there anymore, but he made the most difference in my life. He used to say that the Bible is like the um, instruction manual to life. You need to use it in order to have the most chance of success. So, for example, you you buy this really cool new bookshelf or this big piece of furniture that you have to put together. What are you going to do? Are you just going to see the instruction booklet and throw it away and just try to do it yourself? Or are you going to follow the steps to the instruction manual? Take it one step at a time, go from the ground up until you get to the final um, screw, the final nail, and then you think, oh, wow, this looks great. I'm glad that I used the instruction manual. That's like what the Bible is. It's the instruction manual on life. Could you go um, and live your life without the instruction manual, without God's Word? I mean, it's up to you. It's your choice. You could. I Definitely wouldn't suggest it, though, because God's Word has so many um, insights on life, so many ways around difficulties, so much encouragement, and it's living. It's spending time with a God who loves you more than anything in this whole world. And last scripture we'll go over. 2 Timothy 3.16. There's that 3.16 number. Um, I don't know if you've realized this, but 3.16, that just... Chap, that chapter and verse in a lot of different books is usually very powerful. John 3.16, obviously, and then 1 John 3.16 is another powerful verse. Um, it's, it's just something about that 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Another version says, all scripture is God-breathed. So it's him breathing out these words. All scripture, not just part of it, but all scripture is God-breathed. And it's made for training in righteousness. So if we want to have training in how to be righteous, how to um, be used by God, how to be profitable for teaching, for helping others, then you need to dive into His Word. You need to read it every single day, not just on Sunday at church. If all you're getting from Bible intake is your pastor Sunday morning reading to you and teaching, then it's kind of like holding a book with your pinky. It's not sustainable. He'll hold it for a few seconds. And if all you're getting... Is your Sunday, um, Sunday teaching from your pastor, and then you're just listening to worship, or you're listening to a podcast or a video? Then that's like your pinky and your ring finger. You can balance a little better, but it's still not enough. You need all your fingers. You need your pinky, your um, Sunday morning, your Sunday morning teaching from your pastor. You need your ring finger, this is like podcast, worshiping. You need your um, next finger. You need that. That needs to be more along the lines of Bible studies, where you're um, going once a week, getting into the believers, discussing God's word, reading together. Then you need your um, index finger. I learned all this from, um, from the navigators. I'm not sure i have heard about them. But they taught on this i might not be um saying it very well it's all from memory but this is what they taught and then you need your index finger you need just time alone with the lord in prayer and then you need your thumb your thumb's your biggest one to really grab on to the bible that is where you're doing your daily reading so your pinky is your sunday service your ring finger is podcast videos your middle finger is um, devotionals and bible studies that's going to be your prayer time with god and then your thumb holds on to the bible that's going to be your daily word that you get into so don't just use sunday mornings as an excuse that oh that's enough i got my bible for the week i've been guilty of that so many times we need to dive into his word daily well everyone thank you so much for joining in this week if you need help in your fancy football leagues we would love to come alongside and help you out Um, our website, fantasyfootballcu.com. We have a lot of training on every aspect of fantasy football, and we have a membership where there's a community of of fantasy football enthusiasts that would love to help you out. I'd love to answer any questions you have. We have live webinars. You can join and ask all the questions and just fellowship together, have fun. And if you need prayer, I have a section on there where you can just type in a prayer request or you can uh, message me directly if you're a little bit, maybe kind of have a little shame or you want to be protective of yourself, that's fine. I'd love to pray for you. Just send me a message directly or go to our forums and put it on there. Um, But we're here to help. Thank you guys so much for joining in. God bless you. We'll see you next week.